I forgot to include a quick note that this week's episode has some not safe for work words, so listen at your discretion. I'm Melissa Bonzak, author of the June Nash Adventure series, and when I'm not writing, I'm reading. I started this show to rave about new discoveries, chat with indie and small publishing house authors, and occasionally share from my works in progress. This is Books Cubed, interviews, raves, and reads. Good adventures, everybody. Welcome to episode 14 of Books Cubed, and it is Christmas time. I am recording this a couple of days early uh, so that... um, It's ready to go, and uh, I don't forget to do it, which I might. um, I'm going to fix this. Oops. Turn this down just a little. So if you're watching, I'm getting rid of the um, glare on my glasses. You don't want to have to look at that. I thought today I would do a reading from my work in progress for Bullets and a Ghost. That's what it's currently called. Who knows if that's what it will eventually be called. Things seem to change all the time. So um, a little bit beforehand, oh, well, I just wanted to say Merry Christmas if you celebrate. Um, I myself am going to be picking up my mom from her memory care facility, and we are going for blueberry pancakes. It's all she's talked about the last couple times that I saw her. So we're going to go hit Denny's and get blueberry pancakes. I would make them myself, but pancakes are one of those things that are really hard to do and I don't want to disappoint her. So after pancakes, we're going to come back to the house, and we're going to open presents, and I got her um, a robotic cat. She's been wanting a cat for ages, and she can't have one where she is. So I did a little digging around on the internet, and I discovered that Hasbro has a robotic cat, and the website, if you want to check it out, is Joy forall.com, I believe, but I'll put it in the show notes. And uh, it is a wonderful cat. It meows, it licks its paw, it rolls over onto its back, and there are, and it purrs. There are sensors in the cat, so as you pet its head, it will close its eyes, or like I said, do one of those other things. And once you stop petting it, then um, after a little bit of time without petting it, it will shut down, and it will conserve its batteries, which is good. Uh, because I only see her um, once or twice a week. It just depends on on how things are. Um, so I don't want the batteries to die between visits. So uh, she's going to like that, hopefully. I haven't got my fingers crossed. So after we open presents, then we're going to head over to uh, the movies, and we're going to see Mary Poppins again for us, and the first time for her. She uh, It's one of her favorites, so she was very excited about coming to see the sequel, and um, we really liked it. Did you go see it? Did you like it? Let me know in the, in the comments if you liked it. And before we get to this week's show, I just wanted to uh, respond to a couple of comments that we got from last week's show. Over on YouTube, Patty said, what a great interview. This is about last week's show with Laura and her children's book, Orangutan's Night Before Christmas. Um, what a great interview. Thanks. Uh, I read that book and bought it for our youngest grandkids. When I read it to them, they wanted me to read it several times. They were entranced. It's beautiful, and the rhyme is fun and funny. Love it. Thank you for interviewing Laura and Melissa, and thank you for writing that book, Laura. 
And uh, that's nice. Thank you for commenting, Patty. And yeah, it was a good book. It's fun. Uh, if you have not listened to that episode and you need a kid's children's book, um, go take a listen. And um, then we had a comment over on Instagram from Terry. She said, this was a wonderful podcast. They just get better each time. Thanks, Terry. And uh, that's our comments from um, last week's show. And don't forget to comment if you uh, like what you hear. And um, I'm going to get on to today's show, which is a reading from Four Bullets and a Ghost, which is the tentative title. Um, it might stay the title. Who knows? Sometimes they change. Sometimes they don't. Uh, so the last time that I read was in um, episode four, and it, I'd read chapter one. So Finley is out in the park uh, after a perp, and her partner Walter, who uh, usually works as a um, romance writer, and he is just her partner because um, of uh, circumstances beyond her control, uh, he is helping her with this case. So if you have not heard chapter one and you'd like to, just go ahead and stop and go back to chapter to episode four, rather, and have a listen and then come back here. <clears throat> So um, I'm going to go ahead and start, and um, if you're watching on video, I'll probably cut and paste because uh, I can never get through a reading in just one shot. So here we go. Chapter 2, The Perp. Walter, Finley shouted into the walkie-talkie as she took off. He's headed your way. Near the end of the road, she darted up over the sidewalk and cut the crowd. Around the corner, she sprinted into an empty parking lot that stretched along the front of a dark and empty ball field. Walter's truck was easy to spot, by itself, second row from front, three feet in front of the light pole. There was Gary, limping straight for it, and definitely within 50 yards of the old lady's house. Finley had been sure to mark the distance. It was a slam fucking dunk. Or it would have been, if Walter had been there with the camera. Without him, she needed to catch up before he reached the light pole. That was yard 51. That was the safe zone. If Gary got to it, passed it, this case wasn't over and she'd never get her massage. She kicked up a burst of speed, caught up in ten strides, and took him down in a flying leap. Just shy of the truck's front bumper. They hit the blacktop, rolled twice, and came to a rest with Finley on top, her knees pressed into Gary's kidneys. She jerked the leash out of his back pocket and leaned over to shake it in his face. You're supposed to stay 50 yards away from your ex-wife's dog, asshole. You got him. She looked up as Walter climbed out of the bed of the truck. He crouched down beside them and snorted at Gary. You violated your parole for a dog. Finley eyed the handcuffs dangling from his wrist. It was better if she didn't know. Stay awake next time. Walter sucked in his lower lip and dropped his eyes. I was making the time fly by. Just call Tony. Walter fished his cell phone out of a pocket and dialed. Gary tried to lift his head. Who's Tony? Be quiet. Finley pressed a hand into the back of his neck and snapped her fingers at what passed for a partner. And tell him to hurry. Then she had a horrible thought. She reached back and pressed a palm against her left calf. Damn it. Wait, Walter. He looked up from his phone. Hurry up and switch with me. Before they called her cousin, Detective Tony Wade, she needed to go look for her gun. Chapter 3, The Office Tony'd been too busy to pick up Gary, something about a big case, but he'd sent a patrol car. Two hours later, 
Finley was sprawled out on the couch in her office, a washcloth over her eyes. She'd lost the sweaty boots and jacket, but the gun was back on her calf, at least until she could get home and lock it up. It would be fucking irresponsible to keep the holster, for work anyway. She stretched and rubbed the back of her stiff neck. Two doses of aspirin had done nothing. Three bucks. Finley tugged the wet cloth off of her face and opened her eyes. Zelda was perched on the arm of the sofa and shrink-wrapped into a shiny blue dress. A neon green cap was pinned in her jet black hair, and her features were highlighted with glittery oranges and yellows. A silver tray was bounced on one hand, where a single-serve mini-bottle was centered on a white lace doily. The label-free bottle was filled with a clear liquid and topped with a red-and-white bendy straw. Finley didn't need a label, though, to know what horror awaited her. La Leche Celestial, a.k.a. Milk of Heaven, was the Rouse Family Rum Company. Zelda and Walter's grandma had founded the distillery back in the 60s, and their dad currently ran the main bottling plant out of a little town just the side of the Mexican border. A few years back, they'd responded to a slump in sales by creating a line of rums flavored with vegetables. Finley eyed the little bottle. She loved rum. She loved vegetables. She didn't just didn't like them as a mixed set. But she loved Zelda, so she drank every time it was offered. I've got other customers. Finley glanced around her empty office, two desks, a six-drawer file cabinet that was 90% empty and hadn't been locked since she'd lost the only set of keys, an old bike that she kept putting out with the trash, only to find it back in the office the next morning, thanks to Walter, who insisted he was going to fix it up and get into shape, a bookshelf filled with useless phone directories from nearby counties, thanks to her former partner's fear of the Internet, a mini-fridge that was in desperate need of a good restocking, and a stack of newspapers that needed to be recycled. Finley eyed her girlfriend and tried to decide if Zelda was preparing for an audition or cosplaying an intergalactic cocktail waitress just for the hell of it. Either way, playing along was going to have a pleasant outcome. She dug out a ten, which Zelda snatched and stuffed down her cleavage. No change, Finley asked. No tip? I think I want some change. I think you'll have to get it yourself. Finley's mouth curled into a smile. She slipped a palm behind Zelda's neck and pulled her close for a kiss. The strain of the long day draining away as soft lips touched hers. Hey, Zelda! And all the stress came back as her girlfriend pulled away. Walter waved at them and dropped into the chair at Jack's old desk. Finley licked her lips, raspberry gloss, and a lost moment. Walter's timing, as usual, sucked. That's not my table, Zelda said. Finley wiggled the little bottle at him. I'm with her. He took off his backpack and tossed it at the couch and then rocked his chair closer and leapt from one to the other. Finley completely understood his enthusiasm. Despite the taste, the rums represented freedom. Without that clash flow, he'd never have been able to spend his days writing cheap novels and evading her privacy. Be right back, Zelda slipped out into the hall. Walter stretched his legs out onto the coffee table. I love kicking back at our office after we crack a case. Finley twitched at the word hour. You get paid? Clients all squared up. He yanked an envelope from his jacket pocket and passed it over. It was filled with a lot of small bills. There wasn't much money in canine protection, but as Jack used to say, a case was a case. 
The pup's mom was absolutely ecstatic, Walter continued. We kept a little mutt safe. She'll recommend us to family and friends far and wide, blah, blah, blah. So, he rubbed his palms together, what's next? There were a few open cases, but it was all stuff she preferred to handle by herself. Why don't you take the rest of the week off? He looked at her like she'd just given one of his books a bad review. Or, she continued, how about you troll Craigslist? Find us another juicy case. That would keep him busy. Take the laptop, hit the bookstore on Templeton, get a coffee, take a lot of notes. Oh, that's okay. Walter tucked his cell phone out of a pocket and slouched down a bit to get comfy. I can do that here. She was never going to get rid of him. Wade and Rouse. Might as well give up and get a new sign. You're okay with that, right? Walter asked. She was safe from answering when Zelda returned with her tray and two more bottles topped with red and white straws. How much? Walter asked. Six. He counted out six bills, took the closest bottle, and then added two more singles to the pile. From me? Zelda asked. Only if you join us. She grabbed the last bottle, tossed the empty tray aside, and climbed over his legs to squish between Finley and her brother. Walter waved a hand over her outfit and ventured a guess. Did you get the part? They're getting back to me. She lifted her bottle. It's a new flavor, but Dad's worried about it. So guess what it is, okay? Finley felt her stomach muscles clench. Ooh, that sounded bad. On three, Zelda said. Walter lifted his bottle. One. Finley lifted hers. Two. And three, Zelda finished. Everybody brought the straws to their mouths and took a sip. And let out a collective, ooh. Beats. Finley coughed out the word before her throat closed back up. Tell Dad, Walter couldn't seem to catch his breath, that he's got a real winner. Zelda nodded. The more disgusting the flavor, the better it sells. She clamped the straw between her teeth. Un or inly? Finley didn't answer. She was too busy watching her former partner, Jack, casually stroll through the front door like he'd just been out in the parking lot getting something from his car. He looked exactly like he had the last time she'd seen him. Black suit, no vest, wrinkled white shirt, wide black tie, gray hair clipped short, topped with a dark brown fedora, tan trench coat every bit as old as his sixty, no, sixty-two years, ill-fitted, unbuttoned, and well past its prime just like him. She could just make out the bulk of a holster at his shoulder. Undoubtedly, his Smith & Wesson three fifty seven revolver. Jack had always enjoyed playing the part of the stereotypical P.I. He claimed the clients expected it. You guys still drinking that hooch, he asked. Jack, Walter shouted. He barely beat Zelda in their quest for the first hug. Finley stayed where she was, watching them, trying to decide how she felt about her mentor's reappearance. Wally, Jack said, I saw a cute little gal reading one of your books on the bus just last week. Yeah, which one? Tired of waiting her turn, Zelda pushed her brother out of the way. Two years, Jack? You could have called. I've missed you. The older man gave her a sheepish nod, and she rubbed her palms together. So, what'd you bring me? He pointed to the rolled-up paper bag by his feet. Saw it in a little vintage place, and it made me think of you. Zelda dove in and quickly liberated a black felt hat decorated with a crushed red rose. She squealed with delight and danced over to a wall mirror to check out the fit. With everyone else taken care of, Jack turned his attention to Finley. 
Want to join me for a drink? It was something he'd said to her so many times over the eight months that they'd been partners. Want to join me for a drink? They'd wrap a case or just wrap up a day and head to Jimmy's bar. After a shot or two, Finley would head home to Zelda and Jack would join his friends already at the pool tables. It had been their routine until the day he disappeared, leaving nothing behind but a shitty note. I'm officially retired. I'll be in touch. But he never was. And she was still pissed. Jack shifted his weight and leaned a hand on his old desk. Come on, just one drink. I've already got one. She slurped up a mouthful of beet-flavored rum and fought the urge to shiver as it clawed its way down her throat. Jack pushed the fedora back on his head. You're mad at me? He actually sounded surprised. You disappeared. Something came up. And now you're suddenly back? Something else came up, Jack said. Come on, just one drink. He turned to the others. Can you guys give us a minute? Walter caught Finley's eye. His look told her that he'd stay if she wanted it. Damn it, that was something a real partner would do. She was going to have to get that new sign after all. She gave him a small nod. Walter steered his sister out the front door and Finley trailed behind them, ready to lock it. Or maybe follow them out. She'd decide once she got there. You know, she said to Jack as she passed him, you didn't even leave the key to the filing cabinet. I had to pry it in front of her. The door popped back open. What'd you forget? Was all she got out before she saw the kid. He came in as Walter and Zelda backed into the room. Late teens, blonde hair, pale, the nerdy boy-next-door look, except for the angry snarl on his lips and the gun in his hand. He raised a shaky arm, aimed at her. No, past her, at Jack. In the moment that the boy fired, time slowed down. Jack taking forever to fall to the floor, the shooter's arms swinging to Zelda and Walter as she scrambled the harp behind the filing cabinet and he leapfrogged over the desk. And then coming back to Finley, she dropped to one shaky knee and guided her Beretta out of the crappy ankle holster. She raised her weapon in the boy's direction as she watched his thumb draw back on the pistol's hammer. They fired together. The kick from her gun threw Finley off balance and she ended up on her back, dazed. Was she hit? She sat up and pressed a hand to her sweaty t-shirt and pounding heart. She tried to focus her eyes on the room around her, saw the sneakers and the boy attached to them. He was crumpled against the wall, his neck at an odd angle, eyes staring back at her, vacant. One arm extended, fingers pointing to Jack, his tie crooked, the blood spreading out from the center of his wrinkled white shirt. Finley was up on her hands and knees, crawling to them as Zelda's sobs were overpowered by the scream of a police siren. Too little, too late. And that's it. I hope you enjoyed it. Let me know in the comments what you think about this uh, particular book that I'm working on. And uh, don't forget to subscribe if you want to make sure you catch the next chapter. I try to do them about every fourth show, uh, but uh, I think I missed one. Anyway, so uh, let's see. It is almost New Year's today. I think it's the day after Christmas today. I've kind of lost track of the week with the uh, holiday on. So if, it, if you do plan on going out for New Year's, please get a designated driver if you're going to be drinking. If you Google free rides, there's a lot of places around the country, uh, the United States anyway. I don't know where you are. Uh, probably in Canada too, and maybe in other places, I'm not sure, but go ahead and Google free rides and see if you can get maybe an Uber 
or Lyft to come pick you up from the bar and take you home. And let's see what's oh um yesterday, I think it was yesterday or two days ago was Christmas, and uh, I had given my mom that cat from Joy for All, and she absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. It's a robotic cat that will lick a paw, it purrs, it meows, it opens and closes its eyes, rolls onto its back. Uh, she absolutely loved it. And they're made by Hasbro. And it, the website is joyforall.com. So I'll have a link in the show notes. Go and check them out. If you have a, um, a relative with dementia or just who can't have a pet at home and you think they might enjoy this, it's a great, great option. She absolutely loved it. And like I said, she cried and she carried the cat. We went out and did a bunch of stuff for Christmas and she she took it with her everywhere. She absolutely loved it. So uh, I, I, I recommend highly if you are, are looking for something for your senior relative, go check them out. Uh, next week, I will have a special guest. My daughter will be in town. I'm very excited to see her. I haven't seen her in ages. And we're going to be reminiscing about a friend of ours who we lost to suicide a while ago. Um, I try not to think about when it was. It was in April. Oh, I try not to think about it. Um, I don't, has it been a year? Oh, it feels like longer. It feels like forever. Anyway, he wrote this wonderful, sweet book of essays, and uh, I'm going to be reading from the book. Um, I think I'm going to be reading this essay about uh, his Great Dane. He lost his Great Dane, and um, he he wrote about it, and it's just heartbreaking. He's He has other essays that are funny, but the Great Dane episode, I, I think I'd like to read that one. So... Um, I will be uh, talking, we'll be talking about James and um, reading from his book uh, next week. And um, uh, let's see, I think that's it. That's everything. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss anything. And um, comment, let me know what you think, especially if you listen to today's episode. And uh, let me know what you think of that book. So I will talk to you later. I guess I've hemmed and hawed enough. Um, it's getting late. I need to get to bed probably get up in the morning. I'm for marathon training and I've had a horrible cold. I'm supposed to have run 20 miles this week and I could barely bike three. So I don't know what's going to happen. The marathon is January 13th or 14th. So we'll see. I don't know. Anyway, so uh, I'm going to get going here and um, I will see you next week. And uh, between now and then, go read a good book. <laughs>